Hi, everyone, and welcome to It's Your Call with me, Karen Medland and Andrew Richardson. We are two of the Office of Vocation Ministers for the United Church Canada, and we are so glad you have joined us today. So, Andrew, who is our special guest today? Well, thanks, Karen. Um, today, we're going to be discussing uh, discernment, which is an important topic for those thinking about ministry. And today, our special guest is Brenda Fox, who's an Office of Vocation Minister, and she's in Vancouver today. And she's going to introduce herself to us in a bit. Great. So welcome, Brenda. So it's over to you, Brenda, for It's Your Call. And let's hope someone's picking up the call today. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you. So Brenda, give us a little bit of your story. How did you end up sitting in the seat you're in right now in Vancouver? Tell us about your call. Yeah, thanks, Karen. Thanks, Andrew. It's an interesting pathway, as we say, to be inhabiting my call in this way right now. I So I'm an ordained minister in the United Church of Canada, have been since 1998, and attended theological seminary in Vancouver at Vancouver School of Theology. Prior to that, I grew up in Manitoba, and I attended, we often refer to ourselves as cradle United Church people, in that if we had the opportunity to grow up in this denomination and to be acquainted with it. So my call definitely came out of having grown up in the church. And I can say a little bit more about that as we go. They're asking me for my call story early on as more versus the call story that of how I took this particular job. Yeah, we're asking. So I think we're interested in what is it? Who are the people? What are the events that made you realize that God was calling you into ministry in that kind of early places? So where did that inkling begin for you, Brenda? Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting that you identify people and situations because I think both of those have a big play. I've worked with students for a long time in my ministry uh, both at seminary and in this job and in the candidacy pathway in the United Church. But many, many of us want the call story that's like physics denying God burning bush out of the sky kind of clarity. Yeah. And frankly, I don't think many of us get that particular call story. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. But my story, uh, having grown up in the church, I uh, I mean, some people refer to it as church geek. I always, even as a child, loved Sunday morning, going to church and the kind of ritual, the music, the people. And then I was fortunate in my church in Winnipeg that early on in my development, like as a teenager, we had really great ministers who theologically reflected well, who preached well, who built up the community to thrive and I was very drawn to them. I was very, uh, also when I was about 14, we called a second minister and it was a woman. And at that time in early eighties, mid eighties, people, that was still novel to have a, a woman minister in a big urban church. And so I was fascinated by that. And then I became more and more involved and again, church geek, because I didn't want to be in Sunday school. I wanted to be in worship. I liked the ritual. I liked the people that I met. I got involved in youth events in my congregation and then in the province and the conference at the time. 
so I, I, I would say my upbringing was very strict and somewhat conservative. And what I discovered in the church was pushing on the edges of compassion and loving. And we, we had a good, a strong outreach and refugee program. And it pushed on my understanding of what it meant to be a Christian, of what it meant to be a person in the world that was generous. And so I started feeling this kind of, I would love to have that job. Even to the point where I started university, I would go downtown to my university classes and then I had to do a bus transfer. And I would conveniently time my bus transfer to stop at the church and just kind of hang out with the staff and have tea or whatever. And they obliged me. Uh, Jesus in the temple. Jesus in the temple, exactly, right? (laughs) What I was impressed with was the role of the minister, at least on Sunday and in those tea times, was to meaning make, to try and sort of draw on what was happening around us and make meaning of it theologically as a Christian or God's involvement or not. And I thought that was like the best job in the world. I imagined it to be the best job in the world, but I I stuffed it down. And I think that's really common, right? And call it's Mm. like when we hear it, we just like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not me. That's the, that's the biblical model too, right? I mean, very, it's not very often that people who are called in the Bible say, oh yeah, okay, I'll go. It's always yeah. the opposite, right? You, you run the hell the other way. That's right. <laughs> exactly. You you run as far, fast as and far as you can. You go from, jump in a whale. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, jump exactly. in a boat, get eaten by a whale. Exactly. Yeah. No, one, no one wants to be really, no one wants to be called by God. Yeah. Well, exactly. well it's such a, I think once you start feeling that experience, and I love that phrase, Brenda, Brenda, you're using of meaning making in the world. Mm-hmm. Once you start entering into that relationship with God of meaning making in the world, yeah, you get the heck out of Dodge, right? You because yeah. it's just it opens up the world and yourself into a whole different experience of being as a human. And yeah, and I didn't know another way of being. But probably the second big discouragement of that call was I started conference-wide youth events and I met so many other people like me. And some of them were preacher's kids. So we're really well acquainted with the church and their call. And they also just seemed so much more proficient at it than me. So I went through this phase of I'm not good enough. Like, I'd love to be a minister. I'd love to do this, but I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not capable. And so I thought, I'll just take a whole bunch of courses that would equip me for ministry, but I won't do it. And then I became like the chair of the worship committee in my church. And <laughs> so those pieces start creeping in, right? And, they do creep in. And, and as and Andrew and I have talked about this uh, on other podcasts about, you know, not everyone has to have kind of the Paul on the road to Damascus, fall on your knees, scales fall from your eyes. But it's more commonly, as we certainly hear call stories, as we certainly listen to people in discernment, it is those little pieces of, you know, I took a course here and I cheered a committee there and I went to this event and it's that slow building up piece would you say that was more that would kind of name your experience Brenda as you were yeah and I it's definitely the creeping in and uh, I remember reading one book on discerning and it was what do you think about what do you dream about 
what sort of captures the most of your time and energy. And then, but one of the other main attributes of discernment and call, I think, is the call from the community. Like I say, I was fortunate to have a congregation that was supportive and encouraging my involvement. And you need the community to call you as well. So there's like the inward and then there's the community confirms or affirms that call. And when I graduated grade 12 and I found out that this female minister that I had, who I had great admiration for, was leaving. And she was actually beginning a, her own call uh, in uh, military chaplaincy. But I was devastated that she was leaving. And so I wrote her a letter of thank you for her support. And then she gave me a graduation card. And in the bottom of the graduation card, she said, you know, sort of blessings on your future. Don't forget church vocations. And that was a pivotal moment for me because it was like the first time somebody else voiced it. Somebody else said, I see you. I see this in you. And it was life-changing. So I began to believe it was maybe possible. And um, I guess, I guess you could say the rest is history. The church processes also do that testing of community call, right? Yeah. So when you have an interview with the candidacy board, although it can be frightening, it's also that church's way of testing that call in you in the way that you've described it and it's it's in some ways although the circumstances are different it's similar to my own and similar even to karen's uh, 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 discerning to be a minister takes place over a longer period of time but how do we actually take those random things and figure out that it's an actual call Yeah, I think that's a good question. So for me, that test of the community, like if people that surround you are like, "Mm, maybe not, or your life circumstances, like oftentimes you have that call, but your life circumstances just don't fit. Like you can't go and take a degree or you can't. So I think the community base is important. But to me, I mean, it's a bit cliche, but the whole where your yes is. I remember going when I was deciding which seminary to go to and I visited VST which is where I ended up but one of the offerings they had at the time was that you could attend a class like just as a guest and I remember sitting in the class and going oh wow like we're talking about biblical interpretation and we're talking about theology (laughs) and it was like like I loved it and so I used to use that with my students it's like if they especially if they were like visitors or open houses or whatever. Yeah. And I'll be like, how did it feel when you're sitting in the class? And they're like, oh, it was awesome. Like, that's a yes. Like, I remember one Lent, our, the minister at my congregation was wanting to do a series called This Is My Faith. And he had different people tell faith stories. So he asked me if I would do a Sunday. And I told sort of how I came to believe and what my faith was, which is pretty, you know, evangelical for United Church. I preached it and I felt like so on fire preaching mm. it was like this there was energy right the yeses the energy and even my brother who was probably pretty hard on me he was like oh, I was really good and I was like what my brother just affirmed me but yeah where are the yeses where are the where do you get energy right we couldn't do this work that we do if we didn't 
have a certain hand in glove fit with our call to compassion and justice and support and would would the opposite be true as well like listening to the nose i mean part of mm. part of discernment like when we talk about it in the church we tend to think and talk about it in a positive way you're, you're going to discern for ministry mm -hmm. but presumably you can also listen to the nose right like this is really not for me and that's also part of discernment yeah and that's harder right then if you kind of like if you're sort of tunnel vision you're like i can't hear the nose if the community doesn't discern or you're really struggling or you and sometimes it's just maybe the wrong stream mm -hmm. right mm. like different learning styles so maybe you you're not on fire about biblical interpretation but you really love sitting with people in the downtown east side and hearing their story and helping them feel like beloved children of god that's just a different embodiment right so i think the no's are as important as the yeses because then it it's a redirect it's not necessarily a no for everything. So that's a an interesting, uh, I'm just thinking that's kind of an interesting push into one of the other areas or one of the other thoughts we're having, or I'm having Brenda around. So how do I figure that all out? How do I, what are, are there tools out there? Are there people out there or there that help me figure out if I'm coming to you, you know, thinking I wanna be in ministry, is there places or tools or people you could point me towards to help me figure out what the yeses are and what the no's are telling me? Yeah, I mean, officially we have it like go on to the national website and watch the streams of ministry video, right? But even that is looking at the different streams of ministry that the United Church has, as, as complicated as we make it to have all these different streams, it's also, I think, a shout out to there are many different kinds of ministry and there are many different ways to learn and inhabit ministry and for some people we have said as canopy board we actually think what your call is to a lay ministry and i mean one of the key things for me is like i want to do this with all of my life like i don't want to have a career or work that i do to pay the bills like i want to give myself wholly to this every day all day but for some folks I, we used to share call stories in discernment weekends and they were like, you know what, I'm an active layperson who can do stuff and I don't necessarily want this to be my career. We've said that. So yeah, that's one place I'm hesitant to like, hey, read this book. But I used to use a book um, with my students that they found really helpful called The God Who Speaks. And it's by Ben Campbell Johnson. And he has done a ton of work on discernment and hearing the call of God, because again, to go back to that, we all want a burning bush or we all want a lightning from the sky kind of thing. He talks about all the ways that God or the spirit speaks, everything from thoughts to dreams, to silence, to people. And so that book gives you a lens. So it says like we have to learn the language God speaks in, which is multiple languages, because each of us hears maybe in a different way. So it authenticates or affirms like just because I didn't hear the owl calling my name doesn't mean I'm not called. It could be that I dream about this or I journal about this and or it doesn't let me go or I don't have any of that. And I'm really struggling because I want to go into ministry, but how do I know it's a call? We often talk about discernment 
in the context of professional ministry or ordered ministry. But when I hear you talk about it, it's a it's a really helpful reminder that it's it's the task of all faithful people to discern. Right? I mean, and and if if I think people would be less devastated if they if they were discerning from for professional ministry, and and the answer was no, this is not your call. If if they were already in the habit of discerning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because then they would just see that as um, well, okay, so it's not that, and my ministry may not be ordered ministry or professional ministry, but it is social outreach or serving my church or in serving the world and wherever I am doing whatever I'm doing. I think that's a little bit, uh, I mean, again, we've kind of touched on this and we'll touch on it later, is that call into, all God's people are called into serving the world, right? And honoring discernment as a long-term process for every person of faith should be second nature to us all. Yeah. And I mean, Brenda, you're a good example of that because you discerned for ministry and served as a minister and then moved to VST to teach, then moved into this job as a office of vacation. And I'm assuming that discernment was a part of all of those things. Yeah, and actually that makes me think of, again, like some people are skeptical of the theology of spiritual gifts, like that that we all have particular spiritual gifts that we're given, but it can be a helpful tool to do a spiritual gift inventory. There's lots of resources on that, but when I did, you know, the gifts of the spirit, according to the epistles, one of the things that came up for me was uh, discernment, the ability to discern, the um, administration, and prophecy. Well, administration gets a bad rap, I think, in the church because it's not one of the sexy gifts. But there's yeses in that for me, offering the balcony view or helping move things through systemically or analysis and and then discernment. Like, I love working with people to figure out, like, what's your path? Other people have gifts of teaching. I've seen ministers who well, they may be called to a congregation and they do word sacrament and pastoral care, everything that they do has a level of teaching to it. That's not necessarily my particular call, but paying attention to how we inhabit the categories or the, and it's all different. So yeah, some people find spiritual gifts. We certainly, we offer it on discernment weekends because it's, it's a common language or a stepping off point, right? So when I discerned a call here, it felt like that was a way for me to use those gifts and still do ministry. I think that's a very powerful point there, Brenda, that even if you are part of the order ministry or you're a designated lay minister or you're a LLW out there supporting congregation by doing pulpit supply or you're called to be an effective lay person working in a congregation, that in there, there's no one way to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. That you can be a minister, but be a, you know, have this kind of real call to teaching in ministry. Or on the other hand, you could be someone who is, you know, a prophetic speaker who actually can lead a congregation as the chair of the board and be a prophetic chair of the board. I think that's a, I think that's a crucial piece because I, so often I think people think when they're coming into discernment, what they actually have to do is get to the right answer. Yeah. And it's lifelong, right? Like, that's a good point, Karen. It's like, I often say to people, 
let's do the next faithful step. Like you don't have to decide the end point. You folks and I, all of our boards have had people come and say, well, I started out in ordained ministry, but I am really feeling like actually I'm a better match for diagonal or vice versa. Or sometimes when people are, aren't sure, I'll say, well, why don't you do your licensed lay worship leadership and see how you feel doing that? Because that's a small step versus reinventing your whole life. I think, Andrew, you have more of a teaching call than I do. Well, I, I, it's interesting because I, I think what you pointed out is, again, we, we talk of discernment when you're a candidate for ministry or thinking about ministry generally. And then often there's it disappears from our vocabulary and our practice in ministry. So I remember when I was a, starting out as a minister, I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I didn't know what kind of a minister I was going to be. But over time, it's just continual discernment shapes the, the actual interests and type of ministry that I did as over 30 some years. It's just continuous process, never stops. And I think that's a piece that um, as, as we're having this conversation and you know people who are listening to this conversation are thinking either about discernment in the sense of you know what is it the church is calling me to do and they're, they're, they're at the very beginning maybe of entering into significant leadership or whether it's someone who's already in leadership in the church whether it's a person that paid accountable ministry or even you know a lay person who's thinking about maybe many of the conferences used to do under the old system or some of the old regions so can you maybe point us all towards some of the tools that are out there for discernment one of the things i'm wondering about is not only discernment, and we talked about this, but not only discernment at the beginning of ministry, but during ministry, because I think some folks that have been in for 10, 15 years are wondering what next, or even discerning your next call. It's the same kind of tools. Like, how do you listen for the voice of God? Who's the community that surrounds you? I mean, it used to be in the old system, as we call it, that you had a discernment committee And so you had a group of people from your own church community, plus the broader region who would sit with you over the course of several months and, you know, kind of discern with you and ask you questions. And we took that away partly because of the timing. So sometimes that could be, that could be an unnatural delay in someone's discernment if they were at a place that they were ready to start their education. Mm -hmm. But I think just to summarize those tools, like I think those, like a a retreat is good, a spiritual director, um, your minister. We talk in the church about the tapping, the ministry of tapping, where ministers of community faith or regional ministers kind of see somebody's involvement or gifts and say, have you thought about this? Like, so for my minister who said, don't forget church vocations, like that one line was Mm -hmm. life altering, but I needed somebody to to see me. I needed someone to say that. So I think as a broader church and society, we have a role to tap people, to look for gifts, to affirm them, listening to the voice of God, spiritual retreats, be they discernment weekends or not, people that you love and trust, mentors, the candidacy board. Like sometimes people come to a candidacy board for a promise interview and use that as discernment, Mm -hmm. right? Where either the board says, yeah, we don't see this yet, 
why don't you go do this and this? Or the person themselves goes, yeah, actually, no, I'm not feeling it. I think we as Office of Vacation Ministers are one of the folk early on, right? Like I always, when someone randomly emails me and says, I'm thinking about ministry or gets referred to me by someone else, one of the first things I do is set up a Zoom conversation uh, without any expectation of anything, just to get some of the discernment type questions out on the board and hear them speak about things. And for some people, that's enough. And at the end of that, they say, what the hell is this? It's not for me. Yeah. Or they, they say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to go a little farther. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely a similar experience for me. But so what's actually started to kind of pique my interest, and this might be a conversation for another time, uh, is there's another discernment thing going on in this conversation that we're having with Brenda in the, the discernment of others to see leadership in folks around them, what Brenda called the tap on the shoulder. You know, the, the, the minister or the, the significant lay leader in a congregation who sees potential in someone and taps them on the shoulder. And that's a whole other type of discernment. That, and it's a spiritual gift. It's one of these gifts that Brenda's talking about, to be able to see in others. And how do we discern in order to help others see that they should be discerning in some in a kind of a long-winded way of getting there? You know, that's a really other interesting question that maybe we need to, as a church, struggle with. Like, how do we help our ministers identify other leaders in the church? Because, you know, discernment just seems, the more we talk about this, Andrew, with our guests, I, you know, the more discernment is a huge picture for the whole church to mm-hmm. kind of get on board with. We used to have, when we did in-person discernment weekends, and some people used to come just because they were at a threshold in their lives that they were asking, what next? It might have been empty nesters, or it might have been various other reasons, and one time this person came and she wondered about ministry, but she was a writer. Mm-hmm. And what she discerned by sort of the weekend and a little bit more time was because she was a writer, she wanted to offer her language in liturgical settings. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to be in ministry. She wanted to write liturgical resources, which is beautiful. Yeah. I was like, Every minister wants you in their congregation, right? <laughs> I was just thinking that I'm like, I need that person because but, that's where I struggle when I'm preparing worship is writing liturgy. And she was generous with it. And and it was a yes for her that she could sort of carry on with her identity as a writer, but have a Christian vocation with it. We had someone who thought they were called to ordination and then they ended up going to school and just doing a certificate, but they're on fire now because they're a lay person, they're retired in their congregation and they can lead Bible studies and feel equipped. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I'd love it if, if our church could be more like understand Christian vocation as more than just paid accountable ministry. Absolutely. There's still a certain degree of clericalism Mm -hmm. in our church. I mean, we don't, to admit it, but it's there, right? Like if the only ministry that matters is is uh, that that's the only thing that God would call anybody to, would be with, <laughs> and everything else is somehow inferior. Nope. Um, and that, not to understand our our baptismal vows. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and and it really doesn't have a biblical foundation. 
as you said earlier, as we, as you were saying earlier, Andrea, about you know uh, biblical calls. That's not a biblical foundation for calling to being called by God. One of the um, practical tools, and it's not a very well known one, but it's there, and that that's the outcomes for ministry. Like these are the outcomes that the, and there are a lot of them. Granted, these are the things that the church has said a minister ought to be competent. That and if so, if you look at them and you can't see yourself being competent at any of them, or you look at them and say, These are things that I could see myself doing, then that helps frame this particular calling into professional ministry or ordered ministry. Mm. And I think we need to work with those uh, outcomes more. Yeah, there was a beautiful story from my home congregation where uh, a quite elderly woman, when my kids because I'm doing ministry outside of a community of faith, I attend as a worshiper, which is hard. But when my kids were very young and we had this massive brass baptismal font, and this made me think of it, Andrew, when you're talking about our baptismal vows. And at some point in the life of every toddler in that community, they would approach the baptismal font out of curiosity. And it was a little fragile, like it would kind of potentially tip over and, the collective congregation sort of gasp. So of course the time came probably more than once for my own toddler to approach and he didn't tip it over, but he came pretty close and we intervened. But this lovely woman at the end, she's like, I've seen every child in this congregation get to the tipping over the baptismal font stage. And it was this beautiful witness that she offered as a member of the congregation where she'd sort of see these children born, baptized, grow, and then become. And to me, that was just this beautiful witness of like holding those children, living out her baptismal to be a Christian presence and like not judgmental and not being like, you need to get your kid under control. So it can be varied, right? And I think more affirmation of that kind of vocation is important so that it's not just, oh, if you're chair of the board or you lead a Bible study, but like however you belong in community. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you said earlier is really important. And that is, and it's, I think it resonates in my own call story, certainly in, in Karen's when she described it earlier. And that's seeing ministers, either in your own church or, or elsewhere, who who encourage you and who you want to be like. And, and it's a good to remind ourselves of that as clergy, because we, we can be a cynical lot, right? I mean, it's not always easy to find clergy who are who want to say to uh, someone, yeah, you, you should be a minister. And quite often you get to run, run the other way as well as you can, um, because this is this job sucks. Yeah, um, it's hard and it's difficult and it's painful and all the rest of it. You don't get weekends and, off. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. I think as clergy, we we have to kind of reorient ourselves so that we are in fact encouraging and helpful to to people who may be discerning for ministry. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think it's a great point for us to begin closing up our conversation with Brenda. Um, the discernment is a process that starts probably in the baptismal font, if not before, and goes with us all the way to the end of our life as folks who follow uh, Christ uh, towards God. Thanks, Brenda, for being with Andrew and I on It's Your Call. Thanks for answering our call to 
be with us today. And in particular, thanks for answering the call from God to ministry and for all you do in the church. So thanks well, for Thanks for the invitation. Brothers. It's fun to be in conversation. And I hope one of the things that we observed, we had to constantly remind ourselves that uh, VST is uh, cynical, as you say, that we can sometimes get. God keeps calling. So clearly God has an imagination that's beyond ours, which is a wonderful thing. Thanks, Great. Thanks that. so much, Brenda. I enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah me too. Okay, yep. folks. So uh, we will talk to you again in a few weeks. And from It's Your Call, I'm Karen Medland. I'm Andrew Richardson. Bye, everyone. For spiritual resources to be used in a group or individually, shop United Church Bookstore at www.ucrdstore.ca. Listeners of It's Your Call receive 20% off orders over $45 with the discount code YOURCALLING.